Today we come to the sixth and final petition in our study of the Lord's Prayer. And, and as we've done over these past weeks, I'll invite you again to turn to Matthew chapter 6. For using the Pew Bible, you can find it on page 811. Today we come to this final request where Jesus encourages His disciples to pray in this prayer the request that God would lead us not into temptation, but that He would deliver us from evil. Or as some translations say, that He would deliver us from the evil one. Let's look at this passage now, but before we look at God's Word, let's ask for God's help. Please pray with me again. Lord God, we pray that You would reveal wonderful things from this portion of Your Holy Word. Lord, we pray that You would lead us Lead us in the way that we should go. Do that, Lord, as You instruct us this morning through Your Word and through Your Spirit. This is our prayer, Lord. Amen. Well, again, our sermon passage today will concentrate on verse 13 of chapter 6 of Matthew, but to help set the context, I'll begin reading in verse 5, and I'll read through verse 13. Friends, this is God's holy, living, and inerrant Word. Let's give it the attention that so richly deserves. Jesus tells his disciples, When you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the city, at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, Go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they'll be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, our father in heaven, Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Well, there we have it, the the conclusion of the Lord's Prayer, but let's not conclude our study of this prayer without considering this last request that Jesus tells us that we should make of God. And that is that as we pray, we should pray that He would lead us. We pray that He would lead us. And why should we do that? Why do we need to do that? Why do we need to ask God to lead us? Well, what is it that we call someone who doesn't know the Lord in a saving way? We say that such a person is what? They are lost. Luke 15, 8, The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Ezekiel 34.16, the Lord says, I will seek the lost. I will bring back those who have strayed. And so friends, I want to encourage you, if you are feeling lost, 
if you are feeling, if you know that you have strayed, if you know that you have strayed away from the Lord and are not living in the manner in which He desires for you to live, be encouraged because He delights to seek and to save people, sinners like you and I. We need the Lord to lead us because we're lost without Him. But, but wait a second, let's, let's think about this. This prayer, the Lord's Prayer, this prayer that can also sometimes be referred to as the disciples' prayer, is given to the disciples of Jesus. Why would someone who's already submitted to Jesus, why would that type of person still need to pray that God would lead them? Well, friends, because you and I can also lose our way, can't we? You and I, along with any other person who walks this this earth, we are all capable of going astray. Jesus says as much in Matthew 24.4 in the Olivet Discourse. He warns His disciples saying, See to it that no one leads you astray. Paul gives a similar warning in 2 Timothy 3.6, warning that some, that, that some who would say that it's their desire that they would follow Christ, such people will be led astray, burdened by their sins, and led astray by their various passions. Peter says a similar thing in 2 Peter 2.15, and our experience, our experience tells us that very same thing as well, doesn't it? Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to lead, prone to leave the one I love. And so Jesus tells us that, that we should pray that the Father who is in heaven would lead us also. And thanks be to God, He has promised that He will do this. Isaiah 48, 17, Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God who teaches you and who leads you in the way you should go. You know, the the world, the flesh, and the devil, these three tempt us. They can lure our hearts away from God. They can cause us, they can lead us to go down a wrong path. And that's the very reason why followers of Jesus Christ like you and I still need this prayer. We pray that God would lead us. And how might He do that? How is it that God leads us? Well, first, He leads us through His Word. Scripture tells us that that there are two paths, the way of the righteous and the way of the unrighteous. The way of holiness and the way of sin. The way of life and the way of death. For those of you who were with us earlier this year, perhaps you remember that in our study of the book of Proverbs. God's Word shows us. He gives us His Word. He gives us His holy wisdom so that we would know which is the right path. So that we would know what is the way in which we are to walk. Proverbs 4, 10 through 19. Hear my son and accept my words that the years of your life may be many. 
I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of righteousness. When you walk, your step will not be hampered. And when you run, you will not stumble. Keep hold of instruction. Do not let it go. Guard her, for she is your life. Do not enter the path of the wicked. And do not walk in the way of the evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on. For they cannot sleep unless they have done wrong. They are robbed of sleep unless they have made someone stumble. For they eat the bread of wickedness. They drink the wine of violence. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. In his word, God shows us the good path. He shows us the path of blessing, the path of life. Psalm 1, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of the sinner, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields his fruit in season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. God leads us through his word and he shows us the way in which we should walk, the way in which we will find blessing and abundant life and eternal life. And he does that through his word. God also leads us through his spirit. God gives his people his Holy Spirit to be for us our guide and our counselor. John fourteen sixteen, Jesus says, I will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. And then in verses 25 and 26 of John 15, John 14, Jesus says, These things that I have spoken to you, I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. God leads us through his word. God leads us through his spirit. And of course, Jesus himself has promised to lead us. This one who declares that he is the way. This one who says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Also says that he is the door or the gate of the sheep. And that he is the good shepherd. In John 10, Jesus tells us about how he leads his people as the door and as the good shepherd. He says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And that person will go in and go out and find pasture. All who came before me are thieves and robbers. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep, that person sees a wolf coming and he leaves the sheep. He flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. This person flees because he is just a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. But I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know my Father. 
and I lay down my life for the sheep. Friends, allow the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit to lead you. Allow Him to lead you, for, for He is our Good Shepherd who's, who's laid down His life so that you might have eternal life and so that you might have abundant life. Follow this One who's promised to lead you into green pastures and beside still waters. Follow this One who will lead you in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. And if you do, He has promised that He will prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies. He has promised that He will anoint your head with oil and make your cup to overflow. And He has promised that if you follow Him, if you listen to His voice, goodness and mercy shall follow you all of the days of your life. And you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Jesus tells us, that we're to pray to God, asking for Him to lead. But note also that we're to pray that God would lead us. We, we see it again here, just as we have throughout this prayer. In this prayer, Jesus instructs His disciples to pray not just for themselves, not only as individuals, but He says that we're to pray also concerned for others. We pray not that God would give me my daily bread, but how is it that we pray? We pray asking the Father to give us our daily bread. And we pray that He would forgive us our debts as we forgive others. And we see that same pattern present here. We're to pray, Jesus says, that God would lead us not into temptation, and that He would deliver us from evil. And so, friends, here's the question for you and I. Is that how we pray? Do you pray, do I pray that our brothers and sisters in Christ would not fall? Do, do you pray that your brothers and sisters in Christ at Newport Church or elsewhere won't fall into sin and bring scandal upon the name of Jesus Christ? Jesus teaches us here that we should pray that way. Friends, would you do that for me? I beg of you, please pray that I would resist temptation. Please Pray that I would not fall. And for Amy, please pray that your pastor's wife would walk with the Lord faithfully. Our children, please pray that, that Noah and Ruthie would walk in a way, would live in such a way that they would bring a blessing and know the blessing that it is to follow Christ. Please pray for us that way but not just for me. Pray that same prayer for Rich. Pray that same prayer for Lila. Pray that same prayer for Dan and Pat. Friends, let's, let's receive this good instruction. Let's submit to our Lord's teaching here. And let's commit to praying for one another in this way. 
And let's remember also that this is to be a daily prayer. We pray asking the Lord to give us this day our daily bread. Let's pray daily also that the Lord would lead us and protect us and deliver us all from evil each and every day. Jesus tells us to pray asking God to lead, asking Him to lead us. We pray also specifically that He would lead us not into temptation. Now what's up with that? Why would we need to pray like that? Would would God lead us into temptation if we didn't first intervene and ask Him not to? Is that what Jesus is suggesting here? Well, no, of course, that's, that's not the case. And we know that from places of Scripture like James 1.13 and elsewhere. For there in James, he says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted, and he himself tempts no one. But when we pray, lead us not into temptation, one of the things that we're doing is we're agreeing with God. We're agreeing with what God's word says is true. We're we're making as our confession of faith and, and our confession of dependence that which scripture says is true. When, when we pray, lead us not into temptation, we're saying, Lord, I know myself. Lord, I know my weaknesses. I know my small faith. I know my heart. When, when we pray like this, we're saying, Lord, If you don't protect me, I'm toast. And and, and so as we pray this, we're saying, Lord, lead me. Lord, lead me in the path of righteousness. Lord, keep my heart from wandering away from you. Keep me from giving in to the temptations that I face. Don't let me slip. Don't let me fall. Don't let me sin against you, God. Enable me to face any and every temptation faithfully. Now, you know, one thing that's, that's interesting, I don't know if, if you're aware of this, I had heard this before, but kind of forgot and was reminded of that this week, and that is that the same Greek word, pirasmos, that same word can be translated as temptation or trial or test. The, the, the word itself is neutral, but how we respond to it makes all the difference. That thing that that God brings, that, that thing that God allows in our lives, that can either work to build our faith or it can work to destroy our faith. As the Heidelberg Catechism reminds us, the world, the flesh, and the devil all war against us. And the temptations of these three represent a very real danger to our soul. And so pirasmus, in that sense, as a temptation, well, that's a bad thing because that can draw us away from God. But that same pirasmus, that thing that, that is a trial to us, can also be a good thing. That's what we're told in James 1, 2 through 4. When James writes saying, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials or pirasmas, 
of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. We're told a similar thing in Romans 5, verses 3 and 4. We we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And let endurance endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. 1 Peter 1 helps us to understand this better. There in 1 Peter 1.6, Peter tells us, In this rejoice, though now for a little while, you may have to suffer various pirasmas or trials. And then in verse 7, Peter helps us to understand how it is that we can rejoice when we're facing trials, when he tells us that, that there is a divine purpose behind those trials. And we learn that in verse 7 of 1 Peter 1, and that is, he says, so that the genuineness of your faith may be shown and result in praise and glory and honor at the return of Jesus Christ. Trials and tribulations can be a good thing when we cooperate with them and when we seek to be refined by them and have our faith be strengthened by them as we face those trials in a God-honoring way. When, when we pray, lead us not into temptation, we're saying, Lord, enable me through your sustaining power Enable me to resist these temptations that confront me. When, when trials come, when, when temptations come, Lord, enable me to stand. Enable me to say no to that temptation. Enable me to say yes to faithfulness, to say yes to godliness. Jesus teaches us to pray to God, asking Him to lead us not into temptation, but to deliver us from evil. And as we ask Him to do that, as we ask Him to deliver us, we acknowledge our inability to deliver ourselves. We acknowledge our inability to save ourselves. And this really is the lesson of Scripture. That we have needs that we cannot meet. We need help from another. We need God's supernatural provision of His grace and power so that we might stand. And God has been, and He will continue to be the Redeemer of God's elect. Isaiah 43, 1-3, Thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flames shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, your whole, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. And so, friends, do you feel that you are in that type of trial today? Do you feel floodwaters threatening to overwhelm you? Flames threatening to take your very life? Friends, ask the Lord to lead you. Ask the Lord to deliver you. And He will do that 
if you recognize that your only hope for the deliverance that you need is through submitting to His Son, Jesus Christ. Exodus 20, verse 1, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Psalm 34, 8 and 22, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him. The Lord redeems the life of His servants. None of those who take refuge in Him will be condemned. None will be disappointed. And friends, you can be sure that if you acknowledge your need of Him, and if you receive Him as your Lord and Savior, that He will continue to deliver you. And indeed, if you are trusting in Jesus Christ, He already has. Galatians 1, 3, and 4, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for our sins to deliver us from this present age according to the will of our God and Father. And Colossians 1, 13, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of light into the kingdom of His beloved Son. And God will continue to deliver you from all that threatens you, even from temptation itself. 1 Corinthians 10.13 No temptation has, taken, has overtaken you which is not common to man. And God is faithful. And He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with that temptation, He will also provide a way of escape so that you might be able to endure it. God makes it possible for us to resist any temptation. But be sure to understand this. While it's true that we pray that God would deliver us from evil, that's true. We pray, God, I need you to deliver me from this evil, from this temptation. But friends, that's not the only thing that we do. We acknowledge our need for Him to deliver. We acknowledge our inability to deliver ourselves in our own strength. But we also apply ourselves to resisting that temptation. We're, we're not to be passive in the face of temptation. Scripture tells us in 1 Peter 5, your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Resist him. And from our call to worship this morning from James 4, resist the devil. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will free from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Do you see both sides of that equation there? We see God's providence. We see God's divine sovereignty present there where He will act for His people. But do you also see our responsibility? The fact that God has promised that He will act does not absolve us of our responsibility and our need to also act. We pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Asking God to do that for us, yes, but also applying ourselves to that same end. We apply ourselves to resisting all that is evil. We apply ourselves to resisting sin. We apply ourselves to our sanctification, to our growth in holiness. 
We watch over our lives in such a way that we don't give the devil a foothold, as we're told in Ephesians 27. We deny ourselves. We pick up our cross daily and follow Jesus, which is the calling that Christ gives to everyone who would follow after Him. Again, this is a daily prayer. And this prayer that the Lord would lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, that also has to be a a daily prayer. We pray this over and over and over and over again. We keep praying this prayer. We keep acknowledging our dependence upon the Lord. And we need to apply ourselves daily also to resisting the devil and to resisting the allure of the priorities and the appeal of the things that this world offers us. We need to apply ourselves daily also to resisting the flesh. We need to heed the words of Jesus in Matthew 13.33. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We're told in Galatians 5 about how the deeds and the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh for these two are opposed to one another. As we're told in Ephesians 4, we must put off the old self. And in Colossians 3, put to death that which is earthly or fleshly within us. We put those things away and we replace those things. We replace those desires, those deeds with the desires and the deeds of the Spirit. And daily, we apply ourselves to following Jesus. We follow Jesus faithfully for a lifetime only as we follow him faithfully daily. We must keep on following Jesus. We must keep on killing the old man. We must keep on considering Jesus to be the greatest treasure that there is to be found. We must daily seek to abide in Him. Daily apply ourselves to resting in Him. And as men and women, boys and girls who have been redeemed by the Lord, we can trust that the Lord will indeed deliver us from all evil because He once chose not to deliver His Son from evil. But instead, He allowed Him to fall into the hands of sinful men. And he did that so that you and I could be delivered from evil. As we read in Isaiah 53, we all like sheep have gone astray. We all have turned everyone to his own way. But the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon Him was the chastisement that has brought us peace. And by His wounds we are healed. At the cross, Jesus bore our iniquities. The Father made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might be reconciled to the Father. And in doing that, God delivered us from the wrath that we deserve because of all of those times that rather than to follow Him, we followed the world, 
the flesh and the devil. Jesus went to the cross to pay the penalty for all of those times that you and I did not resist sin, where we gave into temptation. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus, the good shepherd, laid down his life for the sheep. He laid down his life for all who would receive him in faith. He laid down his life And he was able also to pick it up again. And because he was able to do that, because he was able to pick his life back up again, as he says in John 10, because he was raised again to new life in the resurrection and then ascended into heaven and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God, because those things are all true about this one who is our good shepherd, he is still able to continue to lead us. He's still able to continue to deliver us from evil. He's still able to keep us from temptation. In Luke 22, we're we're told that Jesus once told Peter that, that Satan demanded to have him so that he might sift him as wheat. But to that desire of Satan, Jesus told Peter, but Peter, I have prayed for you. I have prayed for you that your faith would not fail. And friends, I want to encourage you on the authority of God's word that you can trust that Jesus prays that very same prayer for you and I, that our faith would not fail. Romans 8 tells us that Jesus stands ever before the Father interceding for us. We're told in Scripture also that the Spirit does that as well. All of the members of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, actively committed to your protection and to your deliverance from all that is evil and from all that threatens you now or ever will at any time in the future. And so consequently, we're told in Hebrews 7.25, He is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through Him. Now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of His glory with great joy. To the only God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord be glory and majesty and dominion and authority before all time, now and forevermore. Amen. Please pray with me again. Lord God, we thank You that You are our Deliverer, that that You are our Redeemer, that You are our Savior. Lord, we need for You to be able for You to be be that for us. Lord, that is our only hope for being able to resist temptation. Not in our own strength, not in our own ability, but only through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit who You give to all those who receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior for all those who seek to not to walk in their own way or in the world's way or in the way of the devil, but for those whose desire it is to walk in the way of the Lord. Lord, continue to deliver us from evil, we pray. Thank you, Jesus, that you are ever faithful. Even when we are faithless, your word tells us that you are faithful. Thank you. Father, that through the Spirit you've promised to complete that which you have begun. And you have promised that you would save us 
to the uttermost and that you would receive us to yourself. Lord God, this is our hope. You are our only hope. In your great name we pray. Amen.